Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. I I noticed um, when Brother Stan was talking about the uh, Coptic Christians, I don't know everything about what they think, what they believe, but uh, we saw a, a clip, and it was a memorial service for these men that had passed away and uh, or not passed away were murdered um, but these guys in this stadium they all came together for this memorial service and let me tell y'all it was like a Pentecostal service I wasn't expecting it to be honest with you they were their hands were up their faces were lifted they had flags they were waving they were shouting now I, it was a lot more lively than we are this morning not as lively as we can get you understand but i'm telling you it was it was an amazing thing and uh, i i i can't imagine what it would be like if it was a memorial service uh but i i'm i don't know what's going on in this world but even in the midst of the worst tragedies we can lift our hands and lift our voice and magnify God because he is worthy he is worthy amen and I thank God for this wonderful church uh, continue to keep in prayer the Murtaugh family we had the uh, memorial service uh, for their the Murtaugh's grand um, son this past weekend this weekend Saturday and uh, we want to continue to keep them in prayer and um, the strength and uh, it's a never an easy thing but God is always faithful in the midst of every trial and every situation and we thank God for his goodness and his mercy uh, Bishop is preaching actually in Jacks Creek Tennessee uh, today uh, of course, you know, my, my mother's brother passed away. A lot of things going on right now. But again, in the midst of it, God has been so good. Uh, I have had, I personally have heard, too, there may be more uh, stories of people that, uh, as we have prayer and fasting, you can be seated in just one moment. Uh-huh. Go ahead, be seated. You're halfway down. <laughs> Some of y'all went to the squat position. What should I do, up or down? Felt like you were back in the military. Um. They, uh, but but he, he's there ministering and and uh, speaking the the word of God there, and it's a it's an amazing little town. It's right in between Lizard Lick and Sweet Lips. That's country, y'all. If y'all don't know, that's country. Uh, but I, I'm going to be uh, preaching uh, this morning. Uh, these are some things that I have taught and preached on before. I have not done it on a Sunday morning, uh, and I want to do that. Uh, and I, I want to make sure we know who we are, and uh, we stand uh, for what is right and what the uh, early uh, New Testament church stood for. Uh, why don't you take a moment right now, turn to someone beside you, and tell them the vision of Souls Harbor. Just in case the person on the other side don't know, tell them. To model the book of Acts church. That is what we desire to do. Everything that we see in the book of Acts, 
I believe we are seeing and we will see more of, can I get an amen from an apostolic church? Everything in the Word of God. And so uh, I want to focus on five things in particular uh, throughout this series, one of them today. But there are five principles and five practices of the book of Acts Church. You hear me say this whenever we do baby dedications at times. I will uh, talk about this. I believe that these are the five core principles and practices of the book of Acts Church. They, are, they were oneness in their theology. They were apostolic in their doctrine. They were Pentecostal in their experience. They were Christ-like uh, in their character. And they were holiness in their lifestyle. These are the five principles uh, of the book of Acts and of the New Testament church. And I believe it's very important that we get a hold of these principles. So I will be uh, teaching and preaching today and the next couple of weeks and uh, putting some of these principles. I will not be exhausted on these subjects because they are so vast it takes uh, many, many services uh, to even really dig in deep to some of this. But I am going to be uh, putting it out there that this is who we are. We need to know who we are. Uh, we are not just a, uh, a church that goes with the winds and the change of times. There are churches that do that. There are groups of people that whatever is popular in the world at that time, that's what they're going to do. Uh, they live based on their, just their passions and just on their, uh, their, their feelings for the moment. But that's not how the apostolic church is supposed to live. We live our lives based on the unchanging, undeniable word of God. God. This is our source. This is our direction. Everything that you need, you can find in the Word of God. And so we are going to be talking about it. And today we'll be talking about this principle. And we'll be getting into the practice that they were oneness and their theology. Everybody say oneness and their theology. So this is a principle. A principle is a, found, uh, a foundational truth. It is, a, uh, it is something that, that the, your set of beliefs are attached to. Uh, they, are, they are connected to everything uh, that you are. It is a principle. And a theology is a study of the nature of God, who God is. So they were oneness in their theology. When they thought of God, they did not think of God like the, the world around them at the time. Uh, many of them believed in multiple gods. They believed uh, in everything in nature was a God. They worshiped uh, different things. We were, uh, years ago, I was in uh, Africa. Uh, I was in Kenya and Tanzania, and we were uh, traveling out, out, out in the, um, uh, the, the jungle, the wilderness. It's both. It's like thick jungle. Then all of a sudden you'll hit a patch and you, you can see for miles just plain. All of a sudden, boom, lots of trees again. It's a, it's a very unique terrain. Some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, I've seen there. Uh, but the Maasai, uh, the Maasai Indians are there, the, the, these tribes uh, that are there. And uh, in these, these tribes, they, they hold things sacred. They will not uh, kill uh, things that that are around them as a matter of fact the way it works is if you're out there hunting you can be out there where there is nothing whatsoever i, I was there for three weeks we took three days right in the middle and uh, the missionary took us hunting uh which uh for me i don't hunt and so um it was a i know the hunters 
always are mad at me because they know I'm not a hunter and I, I hunted in Africa and they're all bitter at me because of that. But nevertheless, um, I, I'm, I'm there and there could be nothing, no one, you see nothing. And uh, you're out there and the, you're, the missionary actually takes all the meat and uses it. That's what he uses to eat through, through the year. Um, so, you know, whether it be a wildebeest or whether it be a, 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 a cape or whether it be a... a um, Impala or Grant, whatever it is. I mean, you, you, you shot this and there's no one around, but if the missionary said, just wait. And about 10 minutes later, out of nowhere, these Maasai Indians just show up. It's like, you know, it's like magic. It's crazy. It's like that you have no idea where they're coming from, where they go to. They just like appear out of nowhere. And so they, they show up and then they will skin the animal for you because they will not kill the animal but if it's dead, they want the hide. So they will skin everything out for you uh, just so they can, they can uh, uh, take the, the hide and, and use it. So, but they, it's sacred to them. And back then it was so sacred you didn't kill, whether it be a cow. Some people worship the sun. Uh, and the sun was a god. Matter of fact, Sunday is actually named after a god, uh, the sun god. Monday, the moon god. All these different things that you see is pretty interesting uh, when, I, when, I, when I have looked at it. Uh, but people worshiped all these different gods. But the, the Jews did not. They believed in one God, and they did not worship the, the, the creation. They worshiped the creator of the creation. And so it was inside of them. It was built inside of them, this belief of one God. There is one God. We do not worship this God, that God, a God junior, a God daddy. No, we worship one God. It was built inside of them. And when Jesus was being um, tested and being uh, trying to be tricked by the, uh, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the lawyers of that day, uh, in Mark chapter uh, 12 and verse 28 and one of the scribes came and and having heard uh the, the, as they begin to reason together he, he's getting in this conversation um he, he began to ask him and he asked this question which is which is the first of all the commandments mark 12 28 and now 29 jesus answered him the first of all the commandments is hear o israel the Lord our God is one Lord. And if you know where I'm going today, why don't you take a moment and clap your hands for that revelation right there. <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is something that when he was asked, what is the first? What is the primary? What is the paramount? What is it that you need to get before you get everything else? And Jesus, not me, not Peter, not Paul, not, no, Jesus is the one that said, this is the most important thing you can get a hold of. If you get a hold of this, everything else is going to fall in place. Because if you know there's one God, you're going to serve that one true and living God. We're going to get there in just a moment. But the whole point of it is that you've got to get your heart in this thing. Now, see, the thing is, it's got to go beyond head knowledge, and it's got to get in the heart of, your, your, uh, of who you are, your very being, everything about you. has got to understand, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, this is a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. 
that simply says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse number 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. Now see, in order for us to get to the point that we can diligently teach it to our children in verse 7, we first have to get the end of verse number Six, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. You've got to get this inside of you. It's got to go beyond that I can intellectually tell you and, and break down the scriptures and prove that there is one God. It's got to go beyond that. There's got to be a passion that gets on the inside of you that begins to scream out from within. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. If we're going to teach it to our children, it's got to get in your heart first. If we're going to teach it to the next generation, it's got to get in your heart first. If this thing's going to go from generation to generation, it's got to go beyond head knowledge. It's got to get into heart knowledge. Amen. And so it was put in them. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It was put in them. And so the New Testament church, what did they preach? What did they practice? What is it that they began to lead people into? As Peter preached the first message on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 uh, began, began with verse number 1, talking about how that they were all with one accord, one place. The Holy Ghost comes down on them. They begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them the utterance. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Some people may do it here today. Um, but they, they, the Holy Ghost came on them and the power of God. And this is the birth of the New Testament church. It was on the day of Pentecost. We find in Acts chapter 2. This is where Jesus always talked about, I'm with you, but I shall be in you. I'm with you now, but I, I'm going to come. No longer is it going to be written on tables of stones, but it's going to be written on the tables of your heart. This was uh, everything that uh, the focal point of both the Old Testament, John, Jesus was all pointing to this moment. After that, when you begin to read through the epistles, you find that they keep referring back to the time that the Spirit first fell, the Holy Ghost first fell, and that's Acts chapter 2 is when it happened. So Peter begins to be moved in by the Holy Ghost. This brings a great big crowd, and they're acting so crazy. They're so excited. I, I can't even imagine what they're doing. They're speaking in tongues. They spill out of the upper room into the streets, and everybody hears about it, and they come to see what's going on. And when they do, Peter begins to preach to them after they thought that they were drunk. They begin to preach, and he said, This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all 
flesh. And so he begins to preach and tell them that, that you are the one that crucified uh, Christ. You are the one that, that put him to an open shame. This blood is on your hands. He begins to preach to them. But in this first message, in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, he, you find here, it says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus whom ye crucified both both Lord and Christ both Lord and Christ now the the word Lord here uh, depending on the atmosphere and the the um, the conversation at the time is what this is referring to this Lord is talking about the supreme being here O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord the Bible says that he made him both Lord the Jehovah God and Christ Christ is the anointed one he is the one that comes to save people from their sins he said when you see this man Christ Jesus he was not just a man he was not just God he was both Lord and Christ. This is the first message ever preached in the apostolic church. And so I believe if it was important enough to bring it up here, it's important enough to bring it up here today. Jesus Christ is not just God. He's not just man. He is God and man fused together. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Peter knew what he was saying when he called him Lord. There was no doubt in his mind what he was saying about Jesus. In Isaiah 42 and 8, it says, I am the Lord. This is the Old Testament before his name Jesus was revealed in the New Testament. Isaiah 42 and 8, I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praise given to images. We're going to talk about that in a moment too. I am the Lord, that is my name, that is who I am, that is what I am. I am the Lord. Here, when Peter began to preach and said he is both Lord and Christ, the context that he was talking about was that he is God Almighty. Peter understood what he was saying. He was God and man fused together, not confused, but fused together, both God and man. He knew that because Jesus himself told them that before he resurrected. In John chapter 14, beginning with verse 8. John 14, beginning with verse number 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father. And it will suffice us. If you show me the Father, that's going to make me happy. That's going to satisfy me. Just show me the Father. Now, Philip has been walking with Jesus for some three years at this point. And Jesus looks at him and says, what? Jesus said to him, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Go back to verse 8 again. What was the question? Lord, show us the Father. Verse 9. Have I been so long time with you, 
and you don't know me, Philip? And Philip says, well, I'm asked to see the Father. And Jesus says, I know. Are you telling me I've been with you for three and a half years and you ain't got it yet, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The works that I do, I do not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Peter was there when Philip asked the question, show me the Father. And Jesus looks and says, when you see me, you have seen the Father, because we are one in the same. You don't have to see another one. When you look at me, you're looking at the fullness of the Godhead and the man, Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, I get excited when I begin to think about that God came out of heaven and robed himself in flesh. I get excited. So this is what the book of Acts church taught. They believe very strongly that there was one God and that Jesus was that one God. Hmm. Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. I can't do any works without my Father. He's the one that does all the works. And Peter goes on to say, the early church, the book of Acts church, in Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's no other Name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We find in the word of God when Jesus is taught his disciples, they took what he taught and he looked at people in the eye and said, listen, Jesus is the only way to be saved. This is speaking of Jesus. When you look at the verses above, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name, Jesus, under heaven given among men, whereby men must be saved. We must understand that Peter knew what he was saying when he said that. He was a Jew. He was was raised on uh, those scriptures, the prophets uh, and the law. And in Isaiah chapter 43 and 11, he knew that God, Jehovah of the Old Testament said, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me uh, there is uh, no Savior. I, even I am the Lord, and beside me uh, there is no Savior. He knew exactly what he was saying uh, when Jesus, when, when Peter looked at them and said, neither is there salvation in any other for Jesus is the only way to be saved and the Old Testament Jehovah God said I am the only Savior what he was saying is Jesus and God are one in the same the New Testament church was oneness and their theology they thought of God as one true living God robed in flesh Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh They knew the scriptures. That's why they knew in Mark chapter 2, verses 5 and 7. And when they saw their faith, and they saw everything that was going on, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy son, that thy sin is forgiven. He's just healed him of his palsy. Now he's forgiven his sin. But there were certain scribes sitting there, and they began to reason their heart. 
What does this man? What is he doing? He speaks blasphemy. Why? Why did they think he was speaking blasphemy? For he said, you know, the only one that can forgive sin is God alone. God is the only one, in verse 7, God is the only one that can forgive sin. He alone. So what they were saying is, wait a minute. Same thing they said in another place. You being a man, you're making yourself God. The Jews knew exactly what Jesus was saying. He was not saying, I am one of the gods. He was not saying, I'm a part of God. He was saying, I am God, manifest in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And so the New Testament church, uh, their mindset was not anything, had nothing to do with separation, but all inclusion, one in the same, Jesus is God. They were oneness in their theology. Acts chapter 4, verses 21. Acts 4 and 21. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing that they might punish them. They wanted something, but couldn't find anything. Because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. They preached in the name of Jesus. They told them to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. But there was no confusion among the people. They preached in the name of Jesus, but the people glorified God. Because they knew that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. They were oneness in their theology. There was no separation in the New Testament church from the Father and the Son. They were one and the same. There was no separation from the Holy Ghost and God. They were one and the same. Absolutely, completely one and the same. For instance, in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, named Ananias, Sophia his wife, uh, sold possessions. Now, this was something that they were giving to God, and it was not a problem that they did not give a certain amount to God. The problem was that they said they were going to give a certain thing. They, they said, I'm going to sell this property, and I'm going to give uh, whatever I give to, to God. But instead, they held back some, and they didn't say, well, this happened, that happened, this is what's going on. They, they just lied. They said, I'm going to give this to God, but they kept back some of it, and they lied to the Holy Ghost. It was not a matter of how much they give or did not give. It was a fact that they said they were doing one thing, so they would look good around, among everyone, but yet they were lying about it. That was the issue. So they kept back, verse number 2, Acts 5, verse 2, they kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it. They knew together. They planned this thing together. And they brought this a certain part, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? He said, You are lying to the Holy Ghost. You're keeping back part of the price of the land, and, and because of this... Um, the Bible says that they're going to fall down dead. But in verse 4, he says, while it remained, uh, was it not thine own? You could have done what you wanted to it. You could have said, I'm going to give this much or that much. It was your own. You could have done what, whatever you wanted to do. Um, he said, but after you sold it, was it not under your own power? You, you still could have done the right thing. Why hast thou conceived this in your heart to lie? Uh, you have not lied unto man, but unto God. See, earlier he says, you have lied to the Holy Ghost. Here he's using it as Jehovah God and says, 
is you have lied to God. In the New Testament church, uh, there was no separation to say that you lied to the Holy Ghost or you lied to God. They were one in the same. This was the New Testament concept. What I'm trying to get inside of you uh, is our, the, the birth of the church uh, was not built uh, in some type of multiple God mindset. Uh, it was built in, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you can say you lied to the Holy Ghost. You can say you lied to the Son. You can say you lied to the Father. And it did not matter because it was all one in the same. Amen. This was their concept. And that's why it was such a powerful thing. Again, we're talking about the book of Acts church. The revelation that came to one of the most prominent apostles in the New Testament. You find this conversion in Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 5. Paul, which was breathing out threatenings, the Bible says. He was going, taking Christians. He was putting them to death. He was holding the coats while others did the dirty work. But he was the one planning things out behind the scenes. He started going from town to town, taking Christians, dividing them, throwing them to prison, many times killing them. He was after, but there was something in his heart that he knew it wasn't right, and God was dealing with him. So he's on his way to Damascus, and there he is going to get more Christians and put more or in the jail or kill them depending on how they responded to him I suppose in verse number 3 as he journeyed and he came near to Damascus suddenly there shined round about a light from heaven and he fell to the earth and he heard a voice saying unto him Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me and so he's there and something is speaking to him from heaven he is a Jew's Jew he grew up hearing hear O Israel the Lord Lord, our God is one Lord. And so this man looks up with the understanding that there's only one God. He knows who his Lord is. When a voice speaks from heaven and he says in the next verse, who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? What Lord do you think he was speaking to, to a voice that was up in heaven? He was speaking to here, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one. Lord who art thou Lord and the Lord introduced himself and said I am Jesus whom thou persecuteth you want to know who Jehovah God is he is Jesus he introduced himself as the one true and living God here O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord They didn't like it. They were upset. But the Jews refused. And the Christians refused to accept anything but one God. And that one God came down and manifested himself in the flesh. I'm doing my best to stay in the book of Acts as much as I can. I want to go Colossians 2 and 9. I'm wanting to do 1 Timothy 3, 16. But I'm trying to stay in the book of Acts. It's all the way through the word of God. One God, one God, one God, one God. It was all wrapped up in him. That's why I have to do it. Colossians 2 and 9. Start with 8. I just can't help myself. Colossians 2 and 8. 
Beware, lest men spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men. There are traditions in this world that people hold on to. But Paul warned us to beware. And this ain't one of them beware signs that has a big dog on it and then this little yapper comes out. This is a big beware here. Beware lest men spoil you through philosophy. A philosophy is just a way of thinking. There's nothing wrong with a philosophy. All of us live by a philosophy. A philosophy is how you think. Some people have a good philosophy. Some have a bad philosophy. What he's warning of is a philosophy or a way of thinking that a philosophy vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, the base things of this world, and not after Christ. There was, there's nothing wrong with traditions as long as it does not keep you from Christ. There is nothing wrong with philosophy as long as it doesn't keep you from Christ. But those that keep it from Christ, the next verse, we're talking about Jesus Christ, for in in him, speaking of Jesus Christ, uh, dwelt all the fullness uh, of the Godhead bodily. Everything that God was, uh, whether you want to say Father, Son, Holy Ghost, uh, whatever you want to talk about him, uh, every way he manifested himself, uh, whether it was in a burning bush, uh, whether it was in the fiery furnace uh, with the three Hebrew children, uh, it all comes back uh, to one God. Uh, his name is Jesus. Uh, the fullness uh, of God uh, dwelt in him bodily bodily in that man Christ Jesus uh, was everything that God was they didn't like this teaching and they did not like them preaching in the name of Jesus Acts 418 and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. Don't mind if you heal the sick. Don't mind if you do good deeds. Just don't do it in the name of Jesus. Because every time they said the name of Jesus, it was a oneness speech. Every time they just said Jesus, it was reminding them of what the word Jesus means. The word Jesus means Jehovah saves or Jehovah has become my salvation. Whenever you say Jesus, you are saying Jehovah, that God manifests in the flesh, he has become. Jehovah became a man. 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifest in the flesh. Whenever they said Jesus, they were saying, Jehovah has become my salvation. Every time they said it, it was a oneness speech saying, I believe that there is but one God, and I know his name. His name is Jesus. Beat me if you have to. Crucify me if you have to. But I can't but stop but preaching in the name of Jesus. They were beat. Acts 5, 40. Verse 18, they just threatened him. 
Acts 5 and 40. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beat them. Why? They commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus. Then they let them go, and that was a bad mistake. Because what they did is they went back to their own company, and they began to pray together. And they said, God, give us boldness. So when we leave this place, we're going to keep preaching Jesus. Uh, because every time they said Jesus, uh, they were letting the world know, uh, Here, O Israel, uh, the Lord our God is one Lord. Uh, and I know his name now. Uh, I didn't know his name back then. Uh, Moses didn't know his name. Uh, they didn't know. Uh, they had the I am uh, that I am. Uh, but they didn't have the name. Uh, oh, uh, Jacob, uh, ask, uh, what is your name? Uh, he said, why are you asking me for my name? Uh, you know it's a secret. Uh, but there came a moment uh, that the angel spoke to Mary uh, and said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Uh, he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, it's a big deal. Uh, the apostles thought it was a big deal. Nowadays, uh, we sit and say, well, everyone's thought is just okay. Anything they want to believe. Uh, that's not the way the apostles felt. Uh, they said, beat me. Uh, do whatever you have to do to me. Uh, crucify me upside down. Uh, but I'll be saying, uh, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and I know who he is. His name is Jesus. There's only one God. He was robed in the flesh. His name is Jesus. If you know who he is, will you take a moment and praise him for the revelation of who he is? Come on, take a moment. Go ahead, take a moment. If it's a revelation worth dancing about, dance. If it's a revelation worth leaping for joy, leap for joy. If it's a revelation worthy of you shouting, then lift your voice and shout. Come on. He said, get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. Get it out of your head. Get it in your heart. There's one God, and I know his name. His name is Jesus. Musicians, come up and be ready. I'm not done. Just be ready. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. Thank you for coming down and robing yourself in flesh. Thank you for the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. I could go a long time on that. But I don't have time. The principles and the practices of the book of Acts church because a principle without a practice is worthless to say you believe something that you never do anything about is not worth anything a principle and the practices see the practice 
was that they served, they prayed to, and they worshiped that God. Because to have a principle that there is no practice that goes along with, it's just an empty thought process. But when you begin to act on it, you see, a practice is the actual application or use of an idea, belief, or method, as opposed to just a theory, as opposed to just a theory. Some people have a theory of God. They just like to think about God. But if he is your God, there should be more than just the principle that there's one God we serve. We should serve him, we should pray to him, and we should worship him. You see, the pagans that we would refer to in the word of God, they believed in all kinds of different gods. But they practiced what they believed. They served those idols. They would offer up their own children, their own babies to these idols, these stone gods that don't have ears to hear, eyes to see, a mouth to speak, a heart to love. They would sacrifice and serve their idols. They would pray to those idols. Even today, I've been to over in Asia in particular, a lot of temples, different things, Buddhist temples. I I didn't go to this one. My parents went to one that's called the the Temple of 10,000 Buddhas. And they have little, little Buddhas. About that big, 10,000 of them. I, he didn't count them. They just said it was there. He thought they probably had counted enough times. Little bitty Buddhas, like this. And each of them have a slightly different expression on their face, they say. And they would go, and they would find the Buddha that has the exact expression that they felt like they were feeling, and they pray to it. Why? They believe in Buddha, but they don't just say they believe in Buddha. They go and they worship and they pray to him. And they sacrifice to him. And they worship him. See, these pagans that that are in the Old Testament, they didn't just have a, a thought that they say, I believe in a certain God. They prayed and worshiped. And I'm telling you, Whatever you worship is your God. Whatever you serve is your God. The Bible says whoever you yield your members to, that's whose servant you are. Whatever you give yourself to. And so if they will come to a stone God or a golden God or whatever, a brass God, whatever it is, and they would worship and serve and pray to that God 
we should serve God, pray to God, and worship the one true and living God. It's not enough, hear me today, to say, I believe there's one God. I'm happy you do. But as you have heard me say before, you are at the same level as the devil. I'll read it to you. I'm saying if all you believe that there's one God, if that's all you do, you're at the same level as the devil. New people are like, man, that's wrong. Just stick with me for a moment. James 2, 19 and 20. Thou believest there's one God. You do well. The devil's also believe and tremble. You believe in one God, great. So does the devil. So does every demon in hell. They know who he is. They believe in one God. But to just believe in God and have that as your principle is not good enough. Their practice was to make themselves like God. That's what happened to Lucifer. He knew there was one God, but he decided, I will ascend into the heavens. I will make my throne above God. I'm going to lift myself up. And it didn't work out well for him. It's not good enough to believe in one God. There must be a practice that goes with it. But wilt thou obey man that faith without works is dead? To believe in one God but not practice the principles that go with believing in that one God is dead. It's dead. It's dead. It's dead. We've got to not just say there's one God. Hallelujah. We've got to say and I'm going to serve him and I'm going to pray to him and I'm going to worship to serve to perform a duty or a service Acts 27 23 and they stood by me this night an angel of God this is Paul speaking whom whose I am and whom I serve this was their attitude I serve God. He was stoned, left for dead multiple times. He was boiled, they say. He was in, in water for the, a night and a day. He received lashes time and time again. All these things happened to him. But his attitude was, I serve God. And when they would say that you're in prison, he would let them know, I'm not your prisoner. If anything, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I have given my heart, my life, myself completely to him. I'm telling you, if you say you believe in one God, who are you serving? Is there a practice that goes with your principle? Do you worship him with everything? Do you serve him with everything that is within you? There's more scriptures, but I'm going to jump now to prayer. Not only did they serve God, but they prayed to that God. Acts chapter 1 verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer 
and supplication with the women and with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. These people prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. This was the New Testament church. They didn't just think about one God. They didn't just say, yay, there's one God. They said, if there is one God, he deserves me communicating with him. If there really is one God, I don't want to just go do my own thing. I want to position myself in such a place that I can pray to him every day. They prayed, and when they prayed, they did not pray the generic prayers that this world is asking for. They prayed in the name of Jesus when they were being stoned like Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 59. As they stoned him, he called upon God. And how did he call upon God? Saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. When they prayed, they prayed in the name of Jesus. That's why in Colossians 3.17, it says, Whatsoever ye do in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks unto God the Father by him. If you're going to do anything, let it be in the name of Jesus Christ. Their prayer was regular. Acts chapter 3, verse number 1. Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. They prayed, and miracles happened. Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. They prayed, and they prayed. They said, listen, we need to not take care of the ministers at that time. We don't need to take care of all these things. This, this is what we need to do. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministering of the word. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed. If I serve God, then I need to pray to that God. I was so happy this 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 prayer chain. I was there uh, probably about through about six or seven um, or I don't know exactly, a number of hours uh, of the prayer chain. And every time I walked in that place, uh, I felt the power of the Holy Ghost uh, moving in that place. Uh, sometimes it was loud. Uh, sometimes it was just a soft moving. Uh, but the Spirit of God uh, was moving uh, and stirring. Uh, what was going on? Uh, it was people saying, uh, yeah, I don't just proclaim God. Uh, I don't just talk about God. Uh, I've got practice with it. Uh, I pray to that God. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, if you don't pray to God, uh, he He's not your God. If you don't pray to him, you don't really serve him. If you don't communicate with him, I'm sorry. I hate to be rude to you. But if you serve God, you're going to worship him. If you serve God, you're going to pray to him. A principle without a practice is worthless. Oh, Jesus. Not only do you serve him, and pray but if he's your God you worship that God if he's your God you don't just sit there and think about him when you lose your worship you have lost your God When you lose your worship, if he's your God, if he's your Savior, <laughs> in Acts 3 and 8, he leaping up stood and walked and entered into the temple, walking 
and leaping and praising God. You want to know what the early church did? Whenever God stepped on the scene, when Jesus came in, they went crazy. When Jesus in the flesh came, they began to wave palm branches and began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Why? Because he's God and he's more than just God in my mind. He's God in my heart. He's not just a principle. It's a practice. I'm going to worship him. Acts 8, 16, 25, and 26. Someone join her on the keyboard. Not minor in how you're playing, just the key minor. Praise you, the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the permanent of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery in the heart. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the string instruments. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Paul and Silas. At midnight, I'm just talking about the book of Acts Church. Acts 16, 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas, believing in the one true and living God, did not sit there and say, I believe in you. They did not sit there and say, I know there's one God. But they said, I know there's one God. And because there's one God, I may be in a prison. I may be in the darkest place of my life. But at midnight, Paul and Silas sang praises unto God. And the Bible says that the prisoners heard them. There is no such thing in the Bible as silent praise. They shout with a voice of triumph. They blow the trumpet. They dance. But there is no such thing in the Bible as silence. I serve one God, but I don't just have him up here. I've got him in here. And because he's in me, I can't help myself. I've got to praise him. I've got to lift him up. In the book of Acts, the Bible says, in Acts 15 and 16. After this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David. Now here's the deal. Everyone knows about the tabernacle in the wilderness. And then Solomon built a temple. But nothing talks about David's building. 
The tabernacle of David was not a place. It was a way of worship. And the book of Acts church says that when God comes back, he's going to build again the tabernacle of David. David went to get the presence of God. Anybody need the presence of God in your life, in your family, in your marriage? Anybody need that? And so this is how he built the tabernacle of God. He took a few steps. He set down the Ark of the Covenant, and he began to worship. After he sacrificed and worshiped, they picked the Ark back up, take a few more paces, set it back down, and say, let's worship again. When the Bible says that he's going to build again the tabernacle of David. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about a way of worship that you do it with everything. Everything. Everything that is inside of you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God and if you believe that, then you need to do more than have that principle. You need to get a practice of serving, of praying to, and of worshiping. told the story about shouting John. <laughs> Old John went to church one day and it was a nice little sweet service. And old John couldn't handle it anymore. He reminds me of my grandma. My grandma would start shouting in a city bus shouting on the job at work. She would begin to think of the goodness of Jesus and, wow! Yo, I, th I think we get a little too dignified up in here. I know it's Sunday morning. But God help us, we don't start looking so good and feeling so good. We can't get loose on a Sunday morning and have a good old shouting time. You know God deserves praise, not just on a Sunday night, but there's some people here. It's been a while since you worshiped the God that you say you believe in. It's been a while since you cut a rug for God that you believe in. Oh, shouting job. They begin to talk about the goodness of Jesus. I've heard at least, I started to say this earlier and I forgot, at least two 
people that said they were needing jobs. And they said, uh, you know what, I've never fasted three days, but the church is fasting. Some people fast one day, some fast two, some fast three. I'm going to fast all three because I, I need something. I need a new job. And they fasted all three days. And by the time it was over, they got themselves a new job. Another lady I heard about this morning, new to this church, having an issue getting here on Sunday because of her job. She's saying, I need a new job. She purposely fasted this past week and got a call at the end of the week saying, hey, we want to hire you for a new job. Everything's set up. Oh, yes. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, when I think of the goodness of Jesus, when I think of the goodness, oh, shouting John, shouting John, he was sitting there and people were talking about the goodness of God and everybody was just going, and John couldn't take it anymore. So John got out in the aisle and my everybody else was saying, Oh, bless him, Jesus. Isn't that great? I believe in God. He, John said, wow! And he started shouting up and down that aisle. The church didn't know what to do with shouting John. He was disturbing their little Pentecostal service. They were disturbing his, their, their little, little ritual of going through. Because shouting John, every time they would say something good about Jesus, he'd say, that's my God. And he'd start shouting all over again. <laughs> so the deacons took a trip out to shouting John's house. They started driving out in the country. They came up in the field. And Shout John was out there in the field. And he was behind his plow and his old mule. And he's plowing the ground. And these deacons walked up to him. And said, John, we need to talk to you. He said, John. When you come to church, you need to be a little more dignified. You know, there's people there that don't know what's going on. And if you say, hallelujah, you might scare somebody. And if you say, glory, you're definitely going to scare somebody. John, I just need you to temper it down. And shout, John, listen to them politely. And he said, sirs, as you were driving here, did you see that land that you came down? He said, God gave me that land. He said, do you see that crop over there? God gave me that crop too. He said, you see that little house over there? God gave me that house. You see this mule? And about that time, John couldn't take it anymore. And he looked at him, he said, here, Hold my mule. I'm about to shout right now. I'm telling you, you need to begin to worship. If he's your God, 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 he deserves. Ah, he got over my house. Come on, 
worship him according to his excellent greatness. Is he your God? Do you believe in him? Then why don't you take a moment and praise of his goodness and what he's done for me Woo! when I think of his mercy how he set me free I want to dance 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 all night hey! I'm doing this on Sunday morning. Am I your pastor? Yes, sir. The Bible says there will come a time when people want to get their ears in. Otherwise, this is what I want to hear, preacher. Tell me that. Give me a little scratch and let me feel good. Let me tell you what I think it should have happened already. There's some people that's still in your pew that God has been so good to you. It is unbelievable. And your praise are still just a little. Now I understand. get your attention today. I understand if your God is a lousy God, if your God didn't save you and set you free, if your God didn't kick you out of the muck and the mire, I can see that kind of a God I may not give much to, but if he's my God and he saved me and that's my principle, then I've got a practice that goes with my principle. It's worship. If he's my God, I can't just stay here any longer. Something inside of me, it's got to let it out. He's your God. He sets you free. He loves you enough to die for you. He's worthy. close to that speaker. Thank you for working for me. My Bible tells me this, that I am to praise him according to 
about you, about him. Has anyone ever seen someone at a football game? For a pigskin that just went over a little white line. Has God did more for you than that? I'm not sure how to praise him. There's a roar going on. Praise you, the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. That means when you come here, it's certainly a place you're supposed to praise him. Praise him for his mighty acts. If God's ever done anything mighty for you, you ought to praise him. Praise him. Praise in the Bible says. The Bible says, praise you the Lord, praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Then it tells us how to praise him. Praise him with the sound of a trumpet. You got a trumpet on there? That's close enough. Praise him with a psalter in the harp. That's string instruments. Let me hear them. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. What is the timbrel? The timbrel is like a tambourine. It's a rhythm instrument. He can't see me. Hit that thing, Steve, like you're hitting something up on top of a house. Smack that thing into place. Yeah. And with the dance. That's not my idea. That's the tabernacle of David that was rebuilt in the book of Acts. And then he says this. Let everything that has rest praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So there you say, where did you get this from? Most of you know, but a few of you that don't know. Let me just say. My grandma was a shouting fiend. I said a few minutes ago, she would be in the store and begin to hum. Swing low, sweet chariot. 
Oh, she began to think, the Lord's coming back for me. Oh, and he saved me. And my mom was a young teenager and saw Grandma warming up. Oh, Lord. Mm. And Mom would start saying, now you stop that. Because she knew it was coming. Because it didn't matter where Grandma was. She believed in one God and knew who he was and knew that she had saved her. And so she would begin to, oh, thank you, Jesus. And before long, it was, wow! And she started shouting all over the soul. She was at work one day. She worked at a cannery. And she was feeling sorry for herself because there was a revival going on and she wanted to go to the revival. And she had to work. And she was upset. And as she was sitting there, she began to realize, God, I ain't got no reason to be upset. I've got 14 children. She had 14 children. Sweet mercy. Lord, you've been good. You raised one of my children from the dead. I ain't got nothing to be sad about. And all of a sudden, right there on the cannery line, she said, Wow! And started shouting all over that cannery. They didn't know what to do with Grandma. I'm looking back there seeing Ashley. I don't mean to make it embarrassing, but I'm thinking of her brother Jeremy. We used to worship God up here. That joker, when he would worship God, he would be in a vertical and just like that horizontal, hit that ground rolling and shouting all over the place. That's what I saw when I looked back at you, Ashley, thinking about, we need that Jesus name. It's, <laughs> we ain't going to get so dignified, not with me as pastor. I'm going to do my best to do things right. But when it comes time to praise God, I want them to say about me what they said about David. You didn't look like a king. You looked like a servant because that's what I am. I serve God. That's who I am. I'm a servant of God Almighty. So if you believe there's one God, you do well. But don't just believe in one God. Let there be a practice. Let there be service. Let there be prayer. And let there be worship. From the front to the back. Just shake the music. That's Bible. String instruments are Bible. Symbols, Bible. Rhythm is Bible. Let's do some more Bible. Dancing, Bible. Shouting, Bible. Leaping, Bible. From the front to the back. Why don't you praise him and magnify the name that's above every name? Go ahead, Brother Soul. Go ahead, Brother Weekly. That's awesome. Go ahead, Brother Coker. Go ahead, Brother Bill. Go ahead. Go ahead. He's your God. He saved you. Praise Him.
to worship with them. Why don't you get with them and just begin to praise God together? If God's been good to you, why don't you take a moment and praise the Lord with a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife? Come on. Let the praises of God be in your mouth. himself in the man Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried in a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to need it for long. And three days later, he rose again. But that wasn't the end of the story. He met with his disciples after the resurrection. At one point, 500 at one time. And he let them know, go to Jerusalem. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. 
at Jerusalem, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. God's Spirit inside of them. And that God anointed Peter to preach. After he said, the Lord hath made him both Lord and Christ. The Bible says, the next verse, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? <laughs> then Peter said unto them, repent. If you're here today and there's sin in your life, you need to repent. You need to change. You cannot serve God and the devil at the same time. Then he said, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of your sins. And then he said, if you do that, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost comes in you, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is nothing like the power of the Holy Ghost. So if you're here and you need to repent, you need a change. You're not the first one. You can come on up here. If you need to be baptized, they're already going down. This ain't going to be the only one. They're going to be baptized today. You'll be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins. And you can receive the Holy Ghost. If you're here today and you say, I just need a breakthrough, I invite you to come right here to the front so I can pray with you. If there is a need in your life, a sickness or a disease, I serve a God that's able to heal you. I want you to come right up here. Come quickly. Stay right there. There you go. Stay right there. Come. Come. Ha, 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 ha. Come on, Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Woo! Oh! Oh! Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. If you're here for prayer, lift your hands. Ministers, I want ministers. Come. Brother Rodney, come. Brother Timmy, come. Brother Hill, come. Come. Ministers, ministers. Prayer warriors. These hands right here. Put your hands down real quick. If you have, if it's a physical need, raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. You see this for physical needs? We're going to pray for them. If it's here, it's a spiritual situation. Raise your hand. Let me see what's going on. All right. Just some other things you need in God to break through. So I know we're praying for. Okay, you see who that is, ministers? Altar workers? Y'all come right here. You need to repent. You need the Holy Ghost. Some people. Awesome. Right now, the Holy Ghost is going to come into this place. The Bible says he will confirm his word 
with signs following. They preached Jesus and miracles happened. I preached that Jesus is the one true and living God and we are to give ourselves to him. Miracles, signs and wonders are about to happen right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Will you stretch your hand in this direction? If you believe that God is able, ministers, altar workers, move in here. Get ready to pray. Come on, get in there. There's still people. Ministers, get in there between them before we start. Ministers, move. Right there. There you go. Right here. Get around here. Stay right there. Go ahead, baptize her in the name of Jesus. Hermana Cookie. In obediencia de la Biblia y That's good. cerca de tu confesión de fe. Yo bautizo en el nombre de Jesucristo por la remisión de tus pecados y tu recibes el Espíritu Santo. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now lift your hands right now. By the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. By the one true and living God that rose himself in flesh. Be healed. Be delivered. Jesus' name. In 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 Jesus